Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. We just want you to know that wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, you are loved, and you are accepted. I hope that as you listen to our podcast, you are moved and inspired to grow closer in your faith with God. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the message. Good morning. What a, what a, it's a unique pleasure to be here. I've not stood in this pulpit for several years. And it's hard to reflect that for 25 continuous years I stood on this platform. But what a joy to be with you today and an opportunity for me to renew uh, acquaintances and friendships, but also an opportunity to see and experience uh, the vision of this fellowship. I am thrilled that Pastor has chosen the theme of Forward for 2021. It resonates uh, deep in my spirit. I, I sense that this is the year for us to reflect upon what God wants to do in a profound and wonderful way. And I think the opportunity is before us. And today, I want to uh, take a moment to talk about that. I don't want to follow the sequence of fa- that Pastor was going to follow, but I'd like to take a moment or a segment of history. And I'd like to look at the uh, Israelites when they entered the promised land called Canaan. And I'd like for us to reflect upon what God did in and through them in a difficult time called the wilderness. Forty years they walked in the wilderness before they entered the promised land. Today, though, I'd like to pick up on the moments after they have now entered the promised land and God is about to renew their vision of hope and promise. And by the way, isn't it interesting historically that the church of Jesus Christ through all the ages and all of the different transitions of time, catastrophes, blessings, all the way through that, the church has been the voice of hope. I don't think there's even a better hour now for us to be the voice of hope in the world than we have right now in our lives. I think this is the hour. I agree with Pastor Sheldon. I believe it is forward in 2021. And I believe that God has proven in his word and by his testimony how that can take place. So let's go to uh, my sermon series this morning. Our sermon topic is new provision for a new season. And we're going to look at Joshua chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 and Joshua 9 through 15. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal, on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, 
they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. As we see in this text today, God was revealing himself to the Israelites in a very profound and wonderful way. In fact, he was, he was providing for them this opportunity of renewing this, the covenants of God and renewing their relationship with the Lord in an environment that they had not experienced for 40 years. 40 years is a long time. And as you think about it and think about this circumstances of those 40 years, which I'll refer to in a moment, we can understand that something new was about to take place. In fact, I believe it was indeed new provision for a new season. It was a season that the, the uh, Israelites had walked out, of the, out of, the, of the wilderness into a relationship with God, whereby they're going to experience and renew in relationship with him things that had been that had been set aside, things that had been secondary to their experience in the wilderness and their experience in walking out their faith with God. One thing that was consistent that remained in the life of the Israelites was a voice of hope. And the voice of hope was the story that was told from generation to generation. Grandparents told their grandchildren, who told their children, who told their children. It was a story of Abraham and Isaac. God spoke to Abraham and said, go to the mount and worship me and do not take a sacrifice with you. Your son Isaac will be the sacrifice. In obedience to God, Abraham went to the mount and there on that mountain, it was time to offer the sacrifice and God uttered from heaven his voice in Genesis 22, verse 12. And God, the provider, established a place within not only Abraham's heart, but also in the generations of people that would worship God. Genesis 22. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, he will provide. 
Now, this is the story that is handed down from generation to generation. And this is the story about the season that the Israelites were in when they were in the wilderness. In fact, my, my first point today is new provision for a new season, the wilderness, in Exodus 16, verse 32. Moses said, this is what the Lord commanded us. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. And an addendum to that would be the 13th verse. The, that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. I look at the 40 years of the wilderness experience for the Israelites to be 40 years in a training camp. They are going to experience firsthand the circumstances of their life that would require them to trust God more than they'd ever trusted him before. In fact, they were going to experience things that would be remembered by generation after generation. They were to live, they were to live in the wilderness, trusting God to provide for them every step of the way. And therefore, the, re, the theme of God as a provider, the Jehovah Jireh, God as a provider would continually be reminded to each of them. And even though they could not see the end of the journey, their faith and trust in God was, and their hope in the living God was, God will make a way. God always provides. And here we see ourselves today in circumstances around our world that all the voices we hear are seldom voices of hope and promise. Usually they're opposite of that and they give us little hope. In the life of the church, in the life of you and I today as living members of this world and this church, this is our hour. This is our moment to capture this time and to declare to the world there is hope. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ, and God will provide. God will make a way. So at first, the Israelites then, in the wilderness, experienced this. They would come to a moment of need, and then God would pause and allow them or permit them to try to find a way to satisfy that need. Once they had come to the realization that they were not big enough, they were not strong enough, they could not find the way to supply their own need. Then they would cry out to God. And they would look to God and ask God to make a way where there seemed to be no way. And exactly at that moment, God would come through in ways that were truly, truly miraculous for them. God would supply their needs. And in the wilderness then, in the wilderness experience, they did not have adequate supplies of food and when they cried out to God, they found out that God was more than enough. I think that's true with you and me today. I think there are moments when I listen to voices of the world that I shouldn't listen to. And when I listen to the negative and those things that are said about the hopelessness, the hopelessness of everything in this world, I need to pause and I need to stop long enough and I need to realize and look at what God says about the way he will provide. The Israelites receive the manna. Now the manna is an interesting thing. It's, it's actually means in the uh, Hebrew, what is this? What is this? Because 
describe it, try to figure it out. But it appeared every morning. And every morning that fresh manna was there for them to subsist and live, except for the Sabbath. On the day before the Sabbath, they could collect for the Sabbath. But all the other days, they only went for the morning, receiving the provision of God's grace. When they became, uh, uh, let's put it this way, when they became at a moment of wanting more, they cried out to God and God sent them quail. That's interesting because these little creatures that God sent them was adequate enough to feed the entire nation. And there God provided miraculously a way in which the quail, by their very wild nature, would run and hide and fly away. They were able to pick up the quail miraculously from the ground. And God provided quail for them. Another time in the uh, wilderness experience, God provided water for them. Interesting enough, it didn't come from a stream or from a river. It came from a rock. I would call that a miracle. God was proving over and over again his desire that he might prove to them that he was faithful and would supply their need. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5, something else is revealed to us. The fifth verse says, Yet the Lord says, During the 40 years that I have led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. Their clothes and their sandals, items that would naturally fall apart in less than a year in the wilderness, instead never wore out. Even over 40 years of this unforgiving wilderness, God provided their clothes to last and also their shoes to never wear out. I believe we could say at that moment God was providing for them. And I even think we could say this in all honesty. God was providing for them in a supernatural way. The natural means by which things would evolve or normally take place would change. Suddenly their clothes lasted and the sandals on their, the shoes on their feet, their sandals did not wear out. I would, I would look upon that as a supernatural provision of God's love and grace to each one of them. They would soon learn again and again that their survival was dependent upon God who was going to make a way and provide for them when no other way could happen. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, the scripture says, And God humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, it's not food and water that sustained them, but it was God who sustained them. And our trust in God increases as we continue to find that he will supply the need according to his riches in glory. My first point was a new season, the wilderness. My next point is this, new provision for a new season, renewed covenant. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. In the Old Testament, the covenant of circumcision was never to be recorded only as a, as a uh, physical act. In the 16th verse of Deuteronomy 10, God said, Circumcise then your heart and stiffen your neck no more. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 6, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, in order that you may live. So the visible was never to be considered a part from the inward equity of God's plan. In other words, in this situation, God was proving to them that the covenant of circumcision would remind them of the faithfulness of God. Remember Abraham we talked about earlier? Abraham had another experience with God in Genesis 17. Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Here's what Joshua did on the day they entered the promised land. They, they went to the covenant of circumcision with a purpose. Now remember this. It's really fun to do this. And as, as you've studied the word of God, you've discovered that in relationship to God's provision or God's direction, there is a fulfillment of what that takes place in an expanded way somewhere later in the gospel. Somewhere in the Bible that will return again. Here's what happened. They were circumcised to remember the faithfulness of God. But God said to Abraham in Genesis 17 verse 7, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. After you, from generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And then hundreds, listen to me, hundreds of years before the Israelites enter the promise of hope and then enter the promise of the promised land, hundreds of years before that, God had already instilled this in their hearts to know that there was a plan for them to enter their own land, the promised land. In verse 7, I will always be your God and the God of your descendants, and I will give you the entire land of Canaan to you and your descendants. Hundreds of years before they actually placed their feet in the land of promise called Canaan, hundreds and hundreds of years before, God was already providing in their hearts and in their minds the hope and promise that God would indeed provide everything they needed. Abraham taught it, passed it on to the next generation, that in turn passed it on to the next generation. It's as if there was a new provision for a new season that would bring hope and promise to their hearts. In verse 10, the scriptures tell us there was also after the renewed covenant of circumcision, they renewed the celebration of the Passover. And the Passover was that yearly, yearly opportunity for them to have an experience with God. The priests would go in, offer the lamb, the spotless lamb on the altar for the sins of the nation of Israel for another year. And here, Joshua, under the direction of God's Spirit, knows that he must now tell them and let them experience firsthand once again the Passover. That original Passover was in their very DNA. Their spiritual DNA flowed with this understanding that God would provide a lamb for the sacrifice that would provide their forgiveness of sins. And here, once again, 
Joshua does it. For time's sake, let me move along to tell you this. The third part was this. The covenant of communion, the Passover. The third part was Joshua meets the commander of the Lord's army. That indeed well may have been a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ, but nonetheless there was an angel of the Lord's army. In Joshua chapter 15, in chapter uh, 3 and 5, we see the explanation of this. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or for our enemies? The response was, Neither. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. When God's people keep God's commandments, God's presence is revealed. Joshua, face down to the ground in reverence, took off his sandals and experienced for the first time holy ground. The, same, the sandals that prevented his feet from being burned by the wilderness and the desert, that's, those same sandals are set aside. And for Joshua, as a testimony of God's mercy and love and power, experiences what holy ground felt like. You see, when God's people obey God's commandments, they will experience God's presence. And for Joshua, it was a renewing of that vision and power of a supernatural God at work because of the obedience that he and the nation of Israel have taken. You see, it, Pastor Sheldon is right. I, I, I sense it. I, I feel it. I believe the opportunity to bring the message of hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ is before us. We have never faced circumstances like this before, and therefore we have no other option than to proclaim and declare the power and the glory of Jesus Christ. We have no other option but to, to claim the power of God. I, I see this in Joshua. No wonder. Can you, imagine, can you imagine what it was like for him to leave that moment in his life? Can you imagine what it was like for Joshua to stand before the entire nation of Israel and begin to tell them that God was for them and not against them, that God was going to provide in ways that only God can do. And when, they, and when this took place, when this provision of God's mercy and presence and the supernatural work of his spirit, here's what happens next. The new provision for a new season was the manna ceased. Now, wait a minute. How many of us in this room are accustomed to a routine of how we do about everything we do? And some of us are a little bit more detailed than others, but we all have a system that works. I work in a healthcare organization whereby every day there's a routine. Linda, uh, before I go, I feel like sometimes she has a first grader in, in our home. So when we get to the door before I leave to go to the hospital, she says, do you have your badge? Do you have your Bible? Do you have your pen? Do you have your keys to the office? Do you have your wallet? Do you have your hanky? Every day. It's a mess. I know it. And there are times when I have other things I'm very detailed about. 
When I get up in the morning and I start the day, I know exactly where my toothpaste is and where my toothbrush is. I knew exactly what takes place first. I know when I'm going to pour the water from that bottle to take that, those pills. Everything's in order. But when I get ready to go to work, I'm a mess. I don't know where anything is. So I need help. Can you imagine the people of God, the Israelites who, have, who stood before this situation and who are see, hearing the voice of the servant Joshua say to them, God is for us, not against us. We're going to conquer this land. We are, this is our land. Can you imagine what must have happened when then he said the manna will cease? Now what happened is this. God provided for them in a way that was totally wonderful and amazing. When they enter into the promised land, the scriptures tells us they ate from the fruit of the land. In other words, they had not yet planted and harvested. That would come later. But they ate of the fruit of the land. And now in the midst of this, when once they had eaten of the new provision, when they'd eaten of the manna that had now had ceased, they ate of the land. When the new provision was given to them, the old manna ceased. It was a new food for a new season. It, 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 was, it was no longer possible for them to even give a moment to believe that they were to rest upon the accomplishments or the disappointments of the past. They were now to look to God. Remember Jehovah Jireh? Remember, remember Abraham and Isaac? They were now to trust the God who was going to provide for their future. So it was a new provision for a new season. Now, in the process of what God was about to do then, this was going to certainly affect their foundational principles. You will recall that when they left Egypt, from the exodus out of Egypt, they got ready and they've crossed, they got to the, the, the obstacle of, of the Red Sea. You'll remember, as they went further into this process, they said to him on the first journey, you, what have you brought us here to die? And here's what they said. Listen to this story. And you know how foolish it is? Have you ever said something and as soon as you breathe it out, you go, that is so stupid. This is foolish. Here's what happened. They said to Moses, who was Joshua's mentor, they said to Moses this. When the first obstacles or uncertainties came about the new provision of leaving Exodus out of Egypt and the bondage they had there, they said, we would rather go back to the garlic and leeks of Egypt. Now, you know what? If I said something like that in that day, I would have repented right on the spot. That is stupid. You, do you, anyone in this room, well, don't ask the question, because there probably is somebody who loves garlic and leeks. But anyway, think about it. As a solid meal every day, garlic and leeks, no, no, no way. So God was providing a way for them to see that the God who had brought them thus far is the God who's going to take them into the new season forward 2021 it's a new season church yes i'm not a prophet and cannot tell you everything that's going to happen in 2021 but i sense the stirring in my soul that god is going to give an opportunity to the church of jesus to be that present that hope and that light of jesus to the world like never before 
And I, I, think, and I see that, I, I, I see how that is so important and effective in all of our lives that God was about to do this. There was plenty in the land. There was lots of provision. They had not even planted one seed, but they were reaping the bountiful blessings of God because they were obedient to God. And they lived out their faith and they trusted God and they experienced the supernatural work of the Spirit and God began to provide a way for them to go on to their inherited sections of land. God was stirring their heart to see and understand that he was in control, that he had not left them, he was not about to forsake them, and that God was going to give them a message of hope and promise that would carry them on into the next day and the next day and the day after that, that God was about to do something. Here's what happened. This is very interesting. When the manna ceased in Joshua chapter 5 verse 12, when the manna ceased, something took place and resonated in the hearts of the Israelites. Much of the story of the Israelites going through the wilderness into the promised land was based upon what we now read as the word of God, particularly for them, the Pentateuch, the first five books Moses wrote and the stories. But here's what happened. In their lives, there was a heritage of truth that was always handed down to the next generation, no matter what the circumstances looked like. When they were in the wilderness or when they were in uh, the land of promise, there was a premise that remained true, that God was their provider, and the premise was that they also would be a part of the miracle of provision. In other words, God provided the abundance of the fruit of the land when they went in, but there was a process by which they would remember and be told, now you will be responsible and you will be accountable for all of the blessings God has given you at this moment forward and you will do something. It's as if we don't, we don't see it specifically right here. We do have the correspondence or the correlating theme in the scripture, but what happened is this. Someone in the crowd, someone said, let stop for just a moment. Someone said, I remember my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father tell me a story. And, I, I, and someone in that crowd told them the story of Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And this is new provision for a new season, joyful generosity. Luke, Leviticus 27, 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the land, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now think about this for a moment. Forty years in the desert, manna and quail, new days in promised land, receiving the fruit of the land, joyful, generous, grateful hearts remembered the faithfulness and the joyfulness that received of them of old when they gave to God that which belonged to God. It was a joyful experience. It was a moment of celebration that God had so richly blessed them. Now they in turn would return to God a portion of that blessing for the furtherance of God's kingdom. I see this as an opportunity for you and I and our generation to tell the story. The same story that the, that the Israelites were told in Leviticus is the story we tell today. 
God has provided marvelously. Somehow through unusual and difficult circumstances, God has made a way for us. We are living testimonies, living truths of the word of God and the faithfulness of God. And in that crowd, as someone spoke up and said, let us remember Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, the Israelites began to respond. They knew the principle and remembered the principle of their fathers. Before the 40 years in the wilderness, they planted and they harvested and they gave glory to God. What an exceptional moment in their lives to realize that this was their hour to give glory to God in the midst of all the uncertainties they had faced in the 40 years before. In all of the challenges they faced, they saw the provisions of God. And now in a moment of blessing and honor, God gives them the fruit of the land. And someone in that crowd said, yes, and let us not forget to return a portion of that to God in glory and honor to the Lord. I can only imagine, I, I, I can only imagine what the crowd must have done when this, when this sudden revelation of the blessings of God hit them. I, I can only imagine as it trickled through the crowds and trickled through the, 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 the tribes, the 12 tribes, I can only imagine what began to happen. Yes, God has bountifully blessed us. God has brought us through to great victory. And now we will bless him and return to him the blessings that he has given us in the form of a tithe and an offering. Joshua asked his people to give their hearts and their services and their finances to promote God's kingdom. Opportunities are going to abound at Thrive Church. You know this story. I love your story. Pastor Sheldon has eloquently brought this to our attention in such a way that we buy into this, we see this. We were traveling to Merrill, Wisconsin. It's a foreign land, but Merrill, Merrill Wisconsin. It's, Pastor and Mrs. Warland were pastors there for 23 plus years and know the ministry, the fulfillment of their ministry there. And I, I follow Pastor Warland as an interim pastor. And I, I think that it's a joy when I hear of any pastor and his wife who exceed that 20-year 20 20 celebration. And I, I rejoice with you today. Bless you, Pastor and Mrs. Warren. Bless you. Pastor Sheldon preaches every Sunday, you know. Guess what? We put him on our iPhone and put him on the dash. And when I first heard him sharing with you the vision that Thrive Church has, it, it caused even my heart to rejoice and I'm not a member of this church or I don't attend this church but I felt like I was a part of this church when he said when I heard him say this we exist to see people in the 715 area code experience life change through God's love power and presence I bought into that that's right that is right that is exactly right the vision is large. The 715 area code is a large area code. But that attainment can take place as we proceed and believe that God loves the entire world and that God wants everyone to come to the glorious saving knowledge of His Son, 
Jesus Christ. To exist, to see people in the 715 area code experience life change through God's love, power, and presence will take resources. And this is our hour to declare the message of hope and promise and, and God's power to another generation of people. It's the hope of, of miraculously knowing today that your church family on Facebook is not just, or on your website, is not just members of this church. There are those searching beyond the walls of this building. They may be dedicated members here and cannot come because of the COVID restrictions, but let me tell you something. There are others out there today that are hearing the message of God's love to provide and care for them in a very profound and wonderful way. And those opportunities in 2021 are going to increase over and over again. And the opportunities for you as a congregation, you as a church, to reach the 715 area code will be unlimited by God's grace and mercy and direction. It will take resources. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. I, I, I would love to see this picture even in greater detail. I, only, I, I see what the scriptures tell me, but I, I would love to have seen this happen. They said, yes, God has blessed us. We have honored him with the covenant of circumcision. We have celebrated the Passover. We have experienced the presence of God. We can do no less, no less than to return a portion of our gifts to the living God. Here's what happened. They took some of the provisions of the land of promise and they took some of them and saved them for the seeds that would be planted in the next harvest time. And a harvest would come and then they would glean these seeds for the next harvest and the one after that. But in the process of this, they came to the, the wonderful understanding that there was a moment where they were to give to God what belongs to God. And the scriptures tells us that's where we come in. That's for those of us who've experienced the glorious grace and power of Jesus. This is our opportunity. In the face, in the moment of need and the moment of opportunity, we return to God the tithe, the 10%. Let me close quickly with this story. And uh, this is a true story. It happened to me right here in Wausau, Wisconsin. About my first month after I'd settled in as pastor of this church, I received a call from a gentleman that God would soon give me favor with. And it was undeserved favor. I had no nothing that I had contributed to this man's life. He was the president of a savings and loan in the Wausau regional area. And he called me up one day and said, I want to I take you to lunch. Are you free? Well, sure. And I will tell you, I, I rather enjoyed it. I got to go to places and restaurants where I didn't have a key to get in the club. It was kind of fun. And I would get to know him. And this story he told me, and I have never forgotten this story. He has since gone on to, to heaven. But this is the story he told me. He said, Pastor Romine, I never believed, I never believed in all my life the principle of tithing. I was not and did not tithe. And one day he said God began to speak into my heart. 
And God said to me, it's time for you to step to the plate. It's time for you to begin to give back from the blessings of the portion I've given you. And he told me this story, and I'll abbreviate it. He said to this story, he said, you know, Pastor Romine, I gave 3%. And that's how I started my walk with God. He said, you know what? After a while, I realized I, I have plenty that's been provided for me beyond the 3%. He said, I doubled it. I thought I was doing so good, I doubled it. I gave 6% to the kingdom of God, to the church I attended. And he said, but you know what, Pastor Roma and I soon learned that the blessings of God were way far abundant more than 6%. And he said, after that, I gave my 10%. And before the story ended, he was giving 15 and 20 and 30 because he had found God to be faithful in his life. You know, church, it's going to take resources to reach the 715 area code. This is our opportunity. We have the moment before us. We could have not created a better environment to bring the message of hope and promise of Jesus Christ to another generation than we do right now. And God will give us a place in that vision by giving of our finances to the kingdom of God and to the church that feeds and loves us and cares for us. Would you pray with me? You know, Lord, I want to close this time of prayer reflecting upon you. And I pray this morning that if there are any message or any part of the sermon that we'll remember, can we remember how big you are and how great you are and how, God, you are our provider, how, God, you made a way for the Israelites far beyond their wildest dreams to experience the blessings of God. So it is today, Lord, that we humble ourselves before you and we present ourselves to the living God. You may be watching on the live stream or you may be present today. Maybe you're looking for that hope that I've spoken about today, that hope that's found in God. God has provided a means of free, freely giving you his love. There was a price tag. It was God who gave his only begotten son, Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins and mine. If you're in hearing distance of this uh, anywhere in the United States of America live stream or in this room today, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Turn your heart to him. You will find his abundant blessings and care over you. Thrive Church has a place for you where you can find a home to be fed and encouraged and receive those blessings I'm talking about. So, Lord, for every one of us, as we renew our covenant of relationship with you, bless your people today. We give you praise and honor and glory in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you so much for checking out the Thrive Church podcast. I hope you were inspired by the message today. If you liked what you heard, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast so we can impact more lives. Remember, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, loved, and accepted. Have a wonderful day.